0: Welcome to Trick or Track, a podcast where I discuss what makes the sounds in movies, music, and video games scary. Yes, I finally get to talk about video games on this show, and to make up for lost time, I'm going to talk about not one, but four of them. I'm going to discuss what they did well, what they did not so well, and my general experience playing them. Spoilers ahead, I think. Also, I streamed each of these games on my YouTube channel, Raw Dog Readings, and you can watch each there with appearances by Paprika. Number 1. Visage Visage is an indie psychological horror survival resource management game. It is published and developed by Sad Square Studio and was released to early access on October 2nd, 2018. I can't talk about Visage without talking about P.T., P.T., or Playable Teaser, was a 2014 horror game released by Hideo Kojima in collaboration with Guillermo del Toro. It was published by Konami as a literal teaser for the doomed Silent Hills installment the world will likely never see. In P.T., the player is locked in first person and has to go through the same hallway over and over and over and over again. Looking for clues in each pixel of the level while trying to decipher the madness around them as lighting changes, ghosts appear, objects move and warp. Words cannot do PT justice. PT made such an impact on video game culture that it has morphed into an entire subgenre. Visage is one such entry into that subgenre. This is not a comparison meant to devalue Visage at all, for Visage takes the essence of PT and expands greatly upon it. Whereas P.T. is confined to one ever-changing hallway, Visage is set in a surreal, non-Euclidean house that seems to exist in some intersection of dimensions. At first, you creep slowly around familiar surroundings, some bedrooms, a bathroom, a living room, a basement, a kitchen, etc. Each of these rooms has its own quirks, like foreboding closets and malfunctioning electricals but they don't prepare you for the more outlandish of rooms. Storage rooms filled with impossible amounts of armoires, backyard tree houses harboring secrets, doors as portals to abyssal darkness. These areas are where the game not only drops plot, but also where it tends to shine. It forces you out of an early tiny comfort zone and into a space where you have zero idea of what is going to transpire. The soundtrack for Visage was composed by Peter Wicker. Like the visuals, the music and sound design in Fassage is gorgeous. This is the soundtrack I wish I could make for a game. Peter Wicker is quoted as saying that he listened to older Silent Hill games as inspiration and it certainly shows. It has just about everything you could want in a score. Guttural demonic synthesizers, reverse sounds and speech, piano with reverb, all carried by an undertone of sadness and sinister. It perfectly conveys the gothic and Lovecraftian atmosphere and tone of the game. Tracks like Madness and The Devil's Mouth are looped perfectly for when you run out of sanity. Tracks like Empty Headspace and A Better Place give momentary reprieve but maintain a sense of melancholy and mourning. I kept expecting the songs to turn into doom metal at the time. I did hear some digital artifacts in the track Wander, not just on my copy but others as well, I can't tell if this is intentional or a poor upload by the studio. It's a beautiful track and I'm sad to hear these glitches as they really don't sound intentional, but I could be wrong, maybe I just haven't got to that part of the game yet. Overall, this soundtrack would fit perfectly within any standard, big budget Hollywood horror film, and I don't mean that as an insult. As evidenced by the livestream, my gameplay experience with Visage is a mixed bag. On the one hand, the game's winding, labyrinthian setting is unsettling and perplexing. While I did get lost and had to retrace my steps a lot, I give this a pass because I am not great at video games or puzzles. I was able to make a good amount of progress in the couple hours I played it, and I will do another livestream to finish the game. However, there were multiple times where I lost significant progress because of the glitchy and periodically broken item system and user interface. Visage operates on a first-person perspective where both hands can have an item, be it a lighter in one hand and pills in the left. This is a fine idea and different than most of its contemporaries, but its implementation is very unstable, at least when I last played. Bug fixes may have been implemented since then. I do question the need of the two-hand system, though. Most of the game is spent with a lighter or a camera for the flash function, Flashlights are, of course, absent for no apparent reason other than a convenience. I don't mind replacing light bulbs and lighting candles to preserve sanity, but it seemed easier to just go through the game with a plethora of pill bottles lying around and make sure to race back to a permanent light source instead of worrying about keeping candles lit. Juggling two items via a less than stellar inventory system, especially during a sanity training event, is frustrating and possibly on purpose. It's possible that the developers wanted to simulate the panic of trying to reach for an item, which I respect, but given how often the items just wouldn't work, takes away from this. All that being said, I know this is a two-person development team and pulling off a game of this scale is a great and admirable feat, so I don't want to sound too harsh. Also, the game is still in early access, so caveat emptor. There are jump scares, but they are very far spread out. Even when you are on the verge of dying, the game overwhelms you more with a distorted HUD and swelling sounds instead of assaulting your fight or flight instinct. When there is a jump scare, it is typically plot related and in a sickening way is a reward for progressing the game. This is a strange reversal, but I'm happy for it as the game stresses a sense of tension and terror as opposed to always being on edge for a mechanical jump scare. The most enjoyable part of the game is just finding out what new room or scene you'll be entering, as the design is very imaginative and surreal, yet grounded enough in a base reality to keep you focused and on task. This is not an easy balance to strike, and I do commend Sad Square for making this game. While the game is unfinished and possesses some rather significant bugs that can crash the entire application, I can still award Visage the rank of Track. The music, sound design, visuals, and premise are such a sublime mixture of pleasure and unease. I hope it gets finished soon so I can do a proper playthrough. PT does not have easy footsteps to follow in, but Sad Square has more than achieved that, in my opinion, with Visage. Still, I would wait for the full release. Dead by Daylight. Dead by Daylight is an asymmetrical multiplayer survival horror game It is published and developed by Behavior Digital Incorporated and was released on June 14th, 2016. The second game I played on stream was Dead by Daylight. I have been playing this game off and on since its release in mid-2016. While most likely not the first of its kind, Dead by Daylight's success has greatly influenced more asymmetrical horror games to pop up on Steam in the last couple of years. Asymmetrical multiplayer has a built-in amount of unfairness that many players can find frustrating. One killer has to capture and kill as many of the four survivors in an arena. The killer is godlike compared to the survivors, but the survivors have numbers and a well-organized team can overcome the killer. To date, Dead by Daylight has released 19 DLCs. It has 17 survivors and 15 killers. Some of the killers and survivors are licensed IPs such as Michael Myers and Laurie Strode, Leatherface, Freddy Krueger, Ash from the Evil Dead, etc. Dead by Daylight's predilection to continually be adding new killers, survivors, maps, items, and abilities gives it an ever-evolving meta that is not easy to balance. It is also intimidating to new players who likely don't wish to do a lot of homework to get into a new game. However, the game has a built-in ranking system to accommodate new players as well as an in-game currency to circumvent buying and playing every single DLC. It is a grind, but one centered around customizing your loadout to your specific playstyle. Dead by Daylight has a five-note theme song revolving around C-sharp, C, and A-sharp, which I believe is the melodic minor scale. I made a rendition when the game was first released, revolving around the original three killers, the Trapper, the Wraith, and the Hillbilly. Using my rendition as an example for the soundtrack, it employs guitar and piano for the melody, with soundscapes such as a campfire, howling bells, and a chainsaw for ambience. This is just the theme song, however, and the majority of the soundtrack is small, typically minute-long entries that accentuate the gameplay. In the original soundtrack alone, there are over 30 songs. Given the 19 DLCs that have been released and the fact that I don't own them all, I can't review the entire breadth of the musical universe in Dead by Daylight, nor is it necessary that I try. What I will say is that the main composer, Michael F. April, employs a wide variety of instruments, synthesizers, percussion, and sound effects to keep players on edge. This ranges from folk drums, to slap bass, to violins, to chimes, and everything in between. The variety of playable characters brings new and interesting musical themes with every DLC, which keeps the game surprisingly fresh. Sound is incredibly important in Dead by Daylight. You can't always see your prey or predator, and relying on audio cues from different panned areas in stereo Or just a musical swell is how games are won and lost. One of my favorite perks to take on Survivor, Premonition, is entirely an audio cue that warns me if the killer is within a certain distance. This is often enough for me to get to safety and wait for the killer to pass, until they disappear again into the fog of war. Killers have dozens of sounds at their disposal, indicating if an objective has been completed, a survivor has vaulted through a window out of panic, etc. They also emit sounds of their own, such as the nurse's wail, telling players everywhere on the map that the killer is on the move. It acts as both a strategic incentive, but also as a sense of terror. In many ways, Dead by Daylight uses very traditional horror movie methodologies when it comes to sound, making for a very cinematic experience. This is further reinforced by the occasional IP from an actual horror movie, such as Michael Myers. Playing Dead by Daylight always gets my heart racing. However, it is not out of fear, like in Visage or Subnautica, but more out of suspense. This isn't a bad thing, it's just different. Fear is hard to maintain in a game or movie. I've seen almost every killer in the game, and they don't scare the shit out of me past the first match. However, thanks to those musical stings, I am always on edge and trying to escape, always nervous that they are near. The game requires each survivor to escape an arena, The arena can be a junkyard, a forest, an insane asylum, a cornfield, a mountain resort, etc. The multitude of maps is one of the game's best strengths, as it pays tribute to how a good horror movie can make any mundane area in the world a scene of horror. Hiding behind objects, plotting out escape routes, using the environment around you, or just trying to survive it adds to the suspense of playing in the arena. To escape, survivors must repair generators to power the gates. They can gather and use items to help themselves or others or even to inhibit the killer. The killer has weapons and abilities to inhibit and capture the survivors. The premise is simple to understand and very deep to master given the tomes of perks and items. The only issue I've ever come across in the game is lag. There are no dedicated servers, so the killer is the host. If the host is 8,000 miles away from you, you can bet that there will be lag on your end. Hell, even if they are next door and have a slow internet connection, you'll get lag. This is inescapable and the survivors pay for it. You have to, amongst every other worry, account for seconds of lag and it almost always ends up with you killed. If I had to make one criticism, it's this. behavior. Please make dedicated servers. Dead by Daylight is a fun and nerve-wracking game fraught with close escapes and near misses. It's best when played with friends, hands down, whether you are surviving against unknown players or you and four others are playing hide and seek together on voice chat and spooking the living daylights out of one another. As there is only one gameplay mode, it can get old after a bit, so I suggest making this a secondary game to a more dynamic and varied entry like Breath of the Wild. It's great to just get one or two matches in now and then. Dead by Daylight is a track for sure. The prolific amount of sound design and music that keeps this game fluid and interesting is something a lot of games skip out on. If this kind of multiplayer isn't to your liking, I completely understand, but I would encourage you to find some YouTube videos of new players trying it out for the fun of being scared with them. Spooky's Jumpscare Mansion is a procedurally generated survival retro horror game. It was originally published and developed by Lag Studios, and then the HD version, which I played, was released by Albino Moose Games on July 28, 2015. Where even to begin with this game? Firstly, a huge shout-out and thanks to Rabid Radioactive Raccoons for both suggesting and gifting this game and soundtrack to me. I had immense fun with it, sorry I suck at video games, and it is an integral part to this episode. I'm excited to finish it on stream later. Spooky's jumpscare Scare Mansion took YouTube by storm when it was released. Retro. Cute graphics mixed in with horrific pixels that cause the game to devolve into madness the further you get in. Its structure is simple and encourages players to attempt the entire game in one sitting, myself included. The game is quite stripped down, which sets it apart from everything else in this episode, so let's just move on to the soundtrack. Everything in Spooky's is based around motif. Each monster and level has a finely crafted song to go along with it. The composers are Akuma Kira, who is also one half of the development team, and some collaboration with Jaron Christ. These composers know what they are doing in keeping with the retro theme of the game, but having enough modern sensibilities injected, such as elements of trap music for example. This places Spookies in a unique sphere of influence. It's a game based around Minecraft-esque graphics, plays like a Doom clone of winding hallways, but offers little to no weapons. Your gameplay is almost exclusively getting to a save point and memorizing audiovisual cues and songs along the way. I can't say I've ever played a game quite like it up until now. Songs accompanied by the creatures hunting you often have theme songs that can warp into lo-fi or mutilated versions of themselves, further driving home the atmosphere of cute things turning horrific. You'll hear chiptune and more classic synthesizers from the nostalgic video games of your past, but they will morph into something disgusting when you least expect it. The entire game feels like a fresh retrospective on the horror video games of collective memory. Remember that thing you like? What if it was broken? You don't play Minecraft anymore, but you recognize these blocks. You like the blocks, but you can't dig yourself out of this underground chamber. Remember Fatal Frame and The Ring? Yeah, start running from Waifu. There's no camera to help you here. Remember chiptune music? I SAID START RUNNING! I suggest the house that Spook built. Breakfast was too early and breakfast was too late. Skinless Cupcake. We have the beef. And your consenting mind as tracks evocative of what this game has to offer. As previously stated, the gameplay for Spookies is very stripped down. Get through a certain number of rooms, save, get plots, and encounter new monsters along the way while learning how to survive against them. You'll see Clock Tower, Alien, and other notable franchises paid homage in each level, but never in a cheap way. It's an endurance test given just how many rooms you have to survive before each save spot, and if you die, you may lose an hour of progress. I know I'm being a bit brief with this game, but that's the point really. The game is streamlined for its purposes and orients the player with the objectives very quickly. Even when you find yourself in new places that give you a breather, except that stupid hallway that kills you no matter what, you always know that pressing on is the only priority. Learn, adapt, progress, and have a spooktacular time doing so. As pleasing as Visage is, and as impressive as Dead by Daylight's library of sounds is, Spooky's Jumpscare Mansion is the standout star in this episode. It is the strongest track of the four, and I feel a bit bad that I didn't review it last, but I wanted to be chronological. The game is cheap, fun, and I'm so happy it exists. Pick it up and watch my dumbass play it on livestream when you get a chance for how not to play. Stories Untold Stories Untold is a point and click slash text adventure horror game heavily influenced by the 1980s. It is published by Devolver Digital and developed by No Code and was released on February 27th, 2017. Firstly, a big thanks and shout out to Beth Morton for suggesting this game. Beth has done a lot of art for me, specifically for my sci fi podcast hosted with Paprika called Raygun Readers. Check out her art and throw money her way, she deserves it. I played one text adventure game many years ago and barely remember it. I can't remember the last point-and-click adventure game I've played. Stories Untold melds both of those together in a delicious Retrowave aesthetic. I'm partial to Retrowave, so my bias is apparent, but this game is careful in its homage and certainly stands on its own. This is the only game I beat on stream, although you can't really beat Dead by Daylight and I'm very grateful for everyone who came out to watch and support me. Stories Untold is split into four levels. Each has its own theme in addition to a general theme, along with appropriate sound design for each level. I'm reluctant to do spoilers here because it is very story-based. Watching my final stream will ruin the game for you, so I encourage you all to play it first. It's only $10 and the soundtrack is $2. As stated before, the entire game is Retrowave. Heavy, heavy use of synthesizers with glistening pads, thick bass lines, plucky arpeggiated notes, and drawn-out leads. I wouldn't be surprised if the entire score was made on one synthesizer or one synthesizer program. Imagine Terminator 2, John Carpenter's The Thing, an alien. Stories Untold bathes us in these soundtracks with modern production value and imagination. It even adds industrial elements in a certain pivotal scene to close out the game. There is no shortage of great sound design here. It's a short game with a short soundtrack, but nothing is wasted. There is no filler, there is no repetition without reason, and frankly, I'm listening to the main theme on loop as I'm typing this right now. Again, this is a very short game. To say anything beyond the core mechanics would be an injustice to the developers, so I'll be brief. In Stories Untold, you need to type text prompts given your surroundings and information displayed on a singular monitor. Then you need to use text to solve logic puzzles. Then you need text to play Radio Tower Operator. It's a strange mix of a bag, but damn it, if it wasn't fun. I will say the second to last chapter could have been trimmed down as the core mechanic is so time consuming that it felt unnecessarily long. Stories Untold is a track for sure, but very possibly the weakest of the four games I have reviewed this episode. This is not because of quality, but because of scope. The game is small and narrow in premise. It's a retro-wave game and sticks to those guns, but that curtails variety and can be a tad predictable in how the game feels when playing it. Again, this isn't a bad thing, it just doesn't feel as impressive next to the other entries. Spooky's Jump Scare Mansion is a small game as well, but manages to have loads of tracks in it without getting off-theme. Still, completing stories untold in a single sitting was very rewarding. Thank you to everyone who came out for the live streams when I was researching these games. Thank you again to Rabid Radioactive Raccoons and Beth for suggesting two of the entries. This episode has been one of my biggest undertakings on this show, and I'm happy it's finally out. The past six months have been very, very busy and hectic for me, so I appreciate everyone's patience. I'm not sure what I will review next, so please feel free to message me with suggestions. Whether you are a veteran musician, movie buff, or just curious about scary music, thank you for giving this podcast a listen. If you would like me to review a particular film, artist, video game, or other piece of scary sounds, please leave a comment or message me on Twitter at abysme, A-B-Y-S-M-I-I. or Track is a part of creativehorror.com, a network of podcasts and creators working together to build a constructive community of horror fans. For more content like this, visit us at creativehorror.com.